Today's Breathcast guest is Anders Olsen. Anders is a breathwork expert. Expert gets thrown around way too easy these days. We know, we hear it all the time, don't we? But Anders has spent 10 years studying breathwork and is one of the foremost experts, especially when it comes to slow nasal breathing. If the name Anders Olsen sounds familiar at all to you and you've read James Nestor's book, Breath, link in the description below, um, Anders is the person that James called and actually they worked together on an exercise where they clogged their nose for 10 days as a bit of an experiment to see what would happen to their blood pressure. And you can see that in my previous podcast with uh, with Mr. Nestor. Um, what a fantastic person. What an interesting conversation I had with this chap. Um, and I really hope you enjoy it. We talked about all things to do with breathing, breath work and breath, and the difference between slow and fast and what the benefits are of different breathing exercises. So I really hope you get some benefit from today. Um, one announcement from me is please stick through to the very end of this podcast because I do have a big announcement to make and I know we hear that quite a lot don't we there's a big announcement coming but please have a listen to the end because there is something coming there as well a couple of uh, messages before we get stuck into the breathcast um, if you haven't done so as always please like subscribe and share and um, it helps spread our message and grow our breathwork community um, and the other thing which I've mentioned a couple of times now is Instagram so thank you to all those people that went over to Instagram and, and click subscribe it's looking a little bit less sad now so thank you so much for that but anyway let's get stuck into the breathcast with Anders um, I hope you enjoyed it we're going to do a part two soon as well so uh, let's get stuck into the breathcast cheers hey good morning Anders and thank you so much for being on take a deep breath podcast how are you doing today sir I'm doing really, really well. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for saying yes. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to getting stuck in and talking to you about breathing today. Um, and I would love to ask you the very first breathing. question. What, what is that? <laughs> oh, for a second, I was like, oh God. <laughs> um, so so my, I guess what would be great is if you could give my viewers a little bit about who you are, maybe just about what you do, just for those that maybe don't know who you are. Yeah. So... I have founded Conscious Breathing Method, and uh, it's really just simple tips on how to breathe in your daily life. Um, it's not rocket science, but it seems like a lot of us struggle with uh, breathing in, in a good way. So mm. I've been doing this for more than 10 years now. And the reason why I'm so hooked about this is because it helped me to reduce my inner stress. So quite immediately when I found out about breath work, I noticed the effect on myself and um, uh, quite profound actually. It, and, and when you look at it, when you realize it's quite easy to see that when we are stressed out, when, we have, when we're in turbo mode, we kind of have a, a breath that also is um, in turbo mode. So by just slowing down your breathing, breathing low and slow and rhythmically, I was able to unlock my turbo and, and uh, finally hit uh, f- find the other um, gears in, yeah. in, in my car. And what was that? What made that first breathwork session happen for you? How did you first discover this this breathing? I read a book based on the Bateco method. It is called uh, How to Swap Asthma for Life by Michael Clark. I think it's his name. Mm-hmm. And reading when reading it, I realized, wow, of course, this is more important than anything. More important than. Uh, your eating habits, uh, sleeping habits, even you, your exercise habits and whatnot, because we do it so often, like a thousand times per hour. That's really interesting because um, I think I've said this before on the podcast. I, I've never been quite sure. For me, years ago, I thought diet is the most important thing. And I was like, no, 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 exercise is the most important thing. And then I read a book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, Dr. Matthew yeah. Walker. And I was like, sleep is the most important thing. And then this year, I studied under Patrick McEwen, who did the oxygen advantage. I was like, breathing's the most important. And I think that, you know, there's a combination. But I was going to ask you actually, so would you rank? Would you rank breathing above sleep? Would you say that breathing is the foundation, then it's sleep? Or would you maybe say the two are comparable? What do you think? That's a really interesting question. I've also read uh, Why We Sleep, uh, and and, uh, it's a great book. Uh, uh, Funny enough, though, I don't think he mentions breathing in the book, does he? No, I don't think so, no. Hmm. Mm. In my view, uh, it's it's really related, um, breathing and and sleep. and, And 
I think that good sleep lays the foundation for good breathing and, and vice versa. So mm. I don't know if we necessarily need to rank them, but mm. in my view, I, I, I put breathing on, on the top of the list because if we stop breathing, we die within minutes, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, yeah. We can go without sleep for a few days, but... Uh, yeah, that, that, that book really... Uh, had the opposite effect on me it ruined my sleep for about six months because I got so scared I was like oh I need to sleep and I was right. saying to my girlfriend I have to go to bed I've got to get my sleep and it took me about six months to chill out and go just relax it's okay because I was trying to get all this good sleep and I, I wouldn't get up early and we went um traveling last year and we had all these things where you have to get up at midnight to go and climb a volcano and I was like nope Sleep is the most important thing. Yeah. So I, I missed out on a couple of things anyway. Um, so, so going back no, but to... I, I fully understand what you mean. Like you, you have to go through this obsession phase. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So, so, so with going back to breathing then and yourself, so you read the Boteco uh, book, you tried a breathing exercise and what, what happened next? Where, where did your journey take you after that? I started uh, to train myself in yoga I, it's called medical yoga it's quite widespread here in Sweden and in Nordic countries it's based on Kundalini yoga I trained in Bateka method I, I'm really really curious so I started to read every book I could come across and research reports and not the least also experiment with my own body and see it's one thing reading something in a book or in a research report it's something completely different to experience it yourself so trying to to figure out uh, and and i i thought that there is something missing here the the there is one thing how to breathe on the yoga mat or or during different exercises but i felt that how about our daily breathing habits the thousand breaths we take each hour when we talk when we eat when we exercise when we concentrate at work when we watch tv that that is the bulk that is that is the main thing mm. in my view so that was my focus and can i ask you about eating and breathing because i i've been guilty of being a quick eater and i'm <laughs> and, and i'm sucking the air in as i'm eating so so what what advice do you give to people about eating and breathing is there any is it calm down relax what would you say well, I, I'm the same. I, I'm, I tend to look at myself as being born in, in turbo mode, more or less. So I've always been a fast eater. I even when I grew up, I even timed eating. So I remember uh, taking in a bowl of cereal. It took me like 30 seconds uh, because then I could, if I ate fast, I could sleep for another minute or two in the morning <laughs> before going to school. But my uh, advice there is to only take in food while exhaling. Mm. So how does that work? So, so you mean put it into your mouth while you're breathing out? Yeah. And then, then okay. Because yeah, because sometimes you suck, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you swallow a lot, of, a lot of air. And, mm. and that is as bad, I think, to have in the digestive system a lot of air as it is mm. to have food in, in our lungs. And we know where that is, have, yeah. what happens if we get food in our lungs. And, yes. Uh, that is what, what happens when we uh, eat fast. We suck in air. So it's almost like blessing the food when you exhale before taking it in. And uh, quite a lot of people think that's a game changer. Wow, it, it really helped me because we may have tried, okay, I should chew the food like 30 times. And before you know it, you just forget about it. But this is this seems to be easier to remember actually. Mm. And so just so I understand it then, so are you saying that you take a breath out and then you eat? You exhale through your nose while, uh, I mean, so, so instead of <gasps> inhaling and, and mm. uh, taking in the mm. food, then you will swallow air. So you just exhale, mm. when, when put, uh, okay. may, may uh, uh, take some practice. I, have to, I think I have to go and practice that because yeah, yeah I am I, always, probably like i like the word turbo mode because i feel like i'm in turbo mode all the time so right. it's how quickly can i eat my my coffee sometimes is too hot so i'm slurping it you know yeah, to yeah. get in quicker <laughs> um can i ask you i don't know if you know the answer to this question but i've been trying to find the answer to it do you know why we can consciously flare our nostrils you mean uh, like um... we can we can make them wider just by you know do you know that why we, we have the conscious ability to do that? Because I always find it a bit strange that we're able to do that. That's a new question to me. I never thought about that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. 
if you find the answer, uh, please let me know because I know that it's you know it's an automatic thing and it happens in animals automatically. But I think what's the, is there an evolutionary benefit why we have the ability to just be standing here and evol- and just open the nostrils up? I don't know. And it's not about taking a breath either. You can do the two things separately, can't you? Yeah, you can. And uh, for for one thing, what comes to mind is that our our nose, compared to our other senses, our nose have a direct contact with the brain, right? Right. So our short term memory and our um, the the hippocampus, right? Um, and uh, compared to our uh, ears and our uh, eyes, they the the, the stimuli, the incoming stimuli, they are filtered before they reach the brain, but the nose has a direct contact. So mm. I figure that our um, smell is, is a very important uh, uh, thing for our brain and mm. uh, has probably been evolutionary wise. Uh, is there food around or <laughs> smelling fire or, mm. uh, or... Or something rotten maybe as well. If something's bad, we can, we yeah. can smell that. We can smell rot very quickly, can't we? Like, oh, that, that's, that's poisonous. So that's bad for us. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's just... just so so we, we, can, we can, with our eyes, we can see like five, a few colors and, and dark and, and um, uh, bright but with our nose we can smell up to 400 different uh, fragrances really 400 wow yeah four different ways crazy um, so so with you then so so we've got the so you've done the potato you've you've done right. some 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 light slow deep breathing i guess or a variation of that very very gentle breathing how what how did you then become somebody that's just works in the breathwork industry what was the next steps for you well, I, I guess I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I like to, to figure out things on my own. I don't want it to be constricted by something invented by someone else. So, so I wanted to create my, my own stuff and, and uh, being able to put in whatever I found worked and, and, and uh, remove if I found out later it didn't work. So mm-hmm. um, in conscious breathing, we talk about the, the seven good breathing habits. And uh, so that's obviously the nose. Good breathing starts in the nose. And then um, I actually don't use the word deep because if I ask a person to take a deep breath, that person will most likely take a big breath. Mm. So and, and I, what's the difference? Could you explain the difference for us between deep and big? Um well, deep in a sense just means a low breath, right? Mm. But it's like that word is hijacked when it comes to breathing. We, mm. we kind of tend to think of it as a big breath. So mm. take a deep, deep breath. Shoulders Everyone more or less yeah. will take a big breath. So, mm. uh, so of, of these uh, good habits, I talk about low breathing. Breathing low using the diaphragm of, 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 um, in opposite to the uh, chest breathing that a lot of us engage in. So. Yes. Low goes hand in hand with slow. So you breathe low and slow and rhythmically. And when we take big breaths, we upset the oxygen and carbon dioxide balance. We take in too much oxygen and we exhale too much carbon dioxide. And it seems like a lot of us engage in those breathing habits where we tend to breathe a little shallow, a little too fast, not the obvious hyperventilation like everyone can spot, but a more hidden form of hyperventilation. But Mm. Since we breathe so much, over time, this will have an effect. It's similar to if we gain weight, we don't gain um, it all overnight. It, it happens maybe one or two or three kilo per year. And then 10 or 20 years later, we, we have this nice belly or, or whatever. And, and the same, I think, goes with our breathing. If we engage in slightly over breathing, over time, it will have more and more effect. So... We, we know that uh, we, we only use about 25% of the oxygen we inhale in a normal breathing according to the medical norm. But most of us, we don't uh, uh, take in only six liters per minute. We take in maybe eight, 10, 12, 15 liters per minute. So we take in too much oxygen, which is absolutely not needed mm. because we already have more than enough. We already only use a quarter when we have the normal volume of six liters per minute. So taking in twice as much, it's like uh, having your car and figuring, okay, I'm driving at the same speed, but let's give it twice as much fuel. We we know that that car won't work any better. Probably it will actually 
uh, work worse. Mm. So that's similar to overeating when we are overbreathing. And that's one part of the equation. We take in too much oxygen and we know that oxygen, the reason why we, we die if we stop breathing is because we are so dependent on oxygen. But at the same time, it's both a curse and a blessing. So in my view, there is nothing that is really either 100% good or 100% bad. Like we know that drinking water is good. So if you don't drink anything in a week, that's a huge stress for the body. But if you drink it 10 liters in a day, that's also a huge stress. So the same with our breathing, we need oxygen, but at the same time, oxygen is very, very reactive. So if you have a fire and put oxygen on it, it will explode, right? Mm -hmm. And Or if you take a bite in an apple and, and put it down, it will be exposed to oxygen after uh, just a few minutes, the, the, the apple will turn brown. And that is what happens in our body. Oxygen, um, it, it lays the foundation for effective energy production, but too much of it will lead to too many free oxygen radicals, too mm -hmm. many which will lead to inflammations and, and uh, cellular damage. So we want to keep it within the range. So there is no point taking in more and thinking, oh, great, I'm oxygenating my body. But that is really not the case. We, we need to have a breathing that actually is in line with our body's requirements a, at a given um, activity, which differs if I'm sitting down or if I'm out jogging, for example. And that's one part of the equation. When we overbreathe, when we breathe too fast and shallow, uh, we take in too much oxygen. And the other part is that we exhale too much carbon dioxide. And carbon dioxide is produced in our body. We, we take in oxygen when we inhale and we exhale carbon dioxide. And uh, th that's a part of the, it is a, a, to a large extent, it's considered a waste product. Oh, carbon dioxide is just a poisonous waste gas, a part of the metabolism. When we take nutrients and oxygen and convert it to energy in the mitochondria, a byproduct is carbon dioxide and we should just get rid of it as soon as possible. But in my view, that is really, really as far from the truth as you can come. I, I think actually carbon dioxide laid the foundation for good oxygenation because to, to start with, it is carbon dioxide that controls breathing. So when we feel that, oh, I have air hunger, I I'm, feel that I'm about to drown, well, then it's because we have built up too much carbon dioxide in the body and the carbon dioxide stimulates the, the brainstem telling us, okay, it's time to breathe now. So we inhale and then on the, on the following exhale, we exhale the excess carbon dioxide. Mm. But when we overbreathe, we have then reset the, the brainstem. So we have told it, you should not tolerate this much carbon dioxide. You should only tolerate this much. So we tolerate slightly less. So that goes hand in hand. If we have a fast breathing rate, normally it's only like 10, 12 breaths per minute. And many people, I mean, I've counted the number of breaths on hundreds of people during the years without them knowing it. And <laughs> Very often they, they, they have 16, 18, 20, even 25 breaths per minute. And whenever I come across one, a person with 25 or even 30 breaths per minute, I still can't believe it because it is, that is why it is so easy to, hidden this, uh, to, to hide this hidden form of hyperventilation because mm -hmm. we can still take 30 breaths per minute, which is two, three, four times as much as normal and still we, we don't uh, uh, realize uh, that that person is doing severe uh, hyperventilation. So anyway, carbon dioxide controls breathing, what tells us if, if breathing is our number one bodily function and it's yes. controlled by carbon dioxide, well, then it obviously cannot just be a waste product, right? And, and further, carbon dioxide dilates the blood vessels. So if you have a a high pulse, a heart beating very fast, or you have high blood pressure, well, the first thing you should look at is your breathing because really the breathing rhythm is controlling the heart rhythm and also the brain rhythm, which makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, that when you look at it from the carbon dioxide perspective, if you then overbreathe, you breathe out too much carbon dioxide, 
then your uh, blood vessel will start to constrict because the smooth muscles surrounding the blood vessels, they are affected by carbon dioxide. So carbon dioxide makes the smooth muscles relax and widen. So if we have uh, uh, overbreathing, then we have constricted blood vessels. So you will deprive your brain of some of the, the blood and oxygen it needs. So you will immediately you will get more stressed, obviously, but also your muscles and, and your other organs and, and tissues. Wow. So, so just to ask you a couple of questions on some of that then, yeah. by the way, so interesting. Um, and so the first bit, uh, not really a question, but more of a statement is, it, it feels like, is, is, is the word homeostasis? We're trying to find balance. Is that yeah, the right yeah. word? And, and so, like you said, with water, a little bit is, we need some, but too much can kill us. You know, yeah. too much cold is bad for us. Too much hot is bad for us. Too much food, not enough food. And, 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 and the same with air. So why, why is it that we are so prone right now to being a, 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 a globe of overbreathers? What What is it that's making us all do this thing wrong, which should be so natural for us? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and I, I think that there are several aspects to that. One is we do as our parents do as our, our society do and we have a stressful society and when we are stressed our breathing is obviously also stressed because it will reflect that stress so when we grow up and we look around and we see okay these are my role models that's how they are breathing so i just do the same i think that is one aspect another aspect is that even though the amount of carbon dioxide we inhale is very, very tiny. It's 0.04%, which is virtually nothing. But since the industrial revolution started about 250 years ago, it has increased by, by 60 or 70%. So even though it's very small, we still with each breath take in slightly more carbon dioxide. So wow. that could lead to a... Um, I mean, if we're not able to tolerate carbon dioxide in, in a good way, then that will uh, lead to more overbreathing. And, and also another aspect is that, for example, if we sit a, a group of people in a room, we have a, a conference room, we, we have a board meeting or whatever, we sit there five or 10 people. And after a while, someone say, oh, the, the air quality is so horrible. We need to open a window or something. And the, the fact is because we are carbon dioxide uh, producers, we manufacture carbon dioxide in our bodies. So if we inhale about 0.04%, we exhale about 100 times more. So about 4%. So after a while, the air will be uh, filled with carbon dioxide. But still, it takes quite a lot of time. But, but, mm. but still, there is a difference if it's 0.04% yes. in the atmosphere or if it's 0. Uh, five uh, percent i mean if it's uh, so some people then will feel tired for example and we we think the air quality is not good and i think that is a a sign of poor tolerance for carbon dioxide because not all, all person will react in the same way so these days we have we we spend more time indoors and we we have more insulated um, houses and and uh, uh, buildings so most likely we have higher levels of carbon dioxide that we are exposed to, which also then drives overbreathing because carbon dioxide drives, um, uh, stimulates the breathing. So that's another aspect that mm. the uh, carbon dioxide increase in the atmosphere as well as the indoor air. And uh, then if you are able to tolerate it, on the other hand, then you're able to reap the benefits of, of this development, I think. Mm. It's like uh, similar to wearing a mask, uh, which is popular these days. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and a lot of people uh, seem to open their mouth because they can't cope with, because you, you build up some carbon dioxide in the mask, right? Mm. And, and uh, they will open their mouth, they will start to overbreathe, so for them, uh, wearing a mask is probably detrimental. It will put them in a state of fight flight because they will uh, end up being mouth breathers. They will end up uh, breathing shallowly and faster. While if you're able to cope with wearing the mask, if you know that nasal breathing is good and you try to remain calm, then 
that is actually a way of doing breathing retraining to, to wear a mask then. Mm. And, and, and finally, uh, so I talked about the reason why we are over breathing. Well, it's the, the stressed out uh, people around us. It's the uh, increase in the atmosphere. In the, it's the increase in the indoor air. And finally, I think it also has to do with fears. Mm. We have a lot of emotions that we, instead of dealing with them, we engage in uh, drinking or gambling or working or whatever we do. It is like uh, we do a lot of these um, uh, fight flight activities in order to not get in touch with all these traumas and, and fears and whatnot we have. And if we think about it, we have a lot of these situated in the, in the stomach area because we all know that if we should do something that is uncomfortable, we may need to go to the toilet or we get an upset stomach, which tells us that there is a really close relationship between our uh, uh, difficult emotions and, and the stomach area. So a way to, to look at it is uh, evolutionary wise, when there was some stress before we, oh, there is a tiger and we ran away from it. So we engaged in physical activity Today, we have different types of stress, like an, an angry customer on the, the phone or an email or whatnot. And, and we engage in our fight and flight response, but we're, it's not followed by physical activity. So with our breath, we can run away from these unpleasant uh, emotions by moving it up higher up in the chest. Does it make sense? So, so before mm. we, we were exposed to some unpleasant things, we ran away from it. Now we run away from it by moving up our breath. Higher Ooh, up. It, it, I'm yeah. very interested to understand that more because you're right. I, um, only this year I watched myself back doing a breathing video um, for uh, there's a, a breath work called Soma. And uh, they, I was doing one of their breathing exercises with, with the, 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 the main uh, kind of person that runs the company. And I was, I was going, <sighs> and I didn't even realize, I was like, oh my God. It's, so yeah, that, that, why are we, why is it moved up then? Why are we, why are we doing this as well? What, what's causing that? Is well, that I mean, if you, want to, if you want to avoid these unpleasant feelings, that, then you, you can't engage in diaphragmatic breathing because the diaphragm will, will then uh, get a, put you in touch with these traumas or these uh, fears or, or whatnot. Mm. So a way to, to um, avoid that is to move up the, the breath higher up in the chest. And, and further, we have this amygdala, right? That is called the, um, the quick uh, fear response in our brain. And studies have shown that amygdala is triggered when, with carbon dioxide. So that's another aspect of um, overbreathing. Mm. If you overbreathe, then you breathe out a lot of carbon dioxide. So you won't reach the level of carbon dioxide needed in order to trigger the amygdala. So that's another aspect of avoiding um, unpleasant feelings. Oh, that's interesting. When I was training with Patrick, um, we would do some of the oxygen advantage exercises, which may be similar to Bateco, I don't know, but it would be um, normal breath in through the nose, a normal breath out through the nose, and you would hold, and you would mm -hmm. hold and hold, and you could do bolt score or, you know, different things. Um, but some of the exercises, we would be walking and holding and walking and holding, and yeah. very, very quickly, me personally, my level of panic whoosh, is so high. Yeah. And uh, I think when I was a child, I had some problems with swimming, maybe that didn't help. So I didn't like to be under the water. But mm -hmm. any advice how I can bring that panic level down? Or is it just practice more breath holds? Or is there something else maybe I need to do? Well, well, I, I mean, th there you have it, right? That panic comes from, I think, the increase in carbon dioxide, because you increase it, obviously, when you hold your breath, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're not exhaling it. And then you get in touch with, with the with the amygdala. And I think the, the reason why some people can hold their breath for very, very long is because they don't have that many fears. And, and I think that's a major aspect. I remember when I started and uh, doing breathing retraining and, and I figured coming from this turbo world that, okay, I should have the world's best breathing in the shortest period of time. And then I got, really annoyed when 
that didn't work because you can't really go into performance mode when it's about to improve your breathing. You have to find the relaxation. I think relaxation is the key. And, and, but it took me a while to, to understand that. And I also noticed that, that there was this fear aspect of it mm. that prevented mm. me from, from being better at it. But having said that, I think a major, major part of good breathing is rhythmical breathing. So I don't recommend so much breath holding exercises, actually, even though it stimulates your, um, um, your carbon dioxide tolerance, for mm. example. Uh, I, I, I mean, at, at night we call it sleep apnea, right? When we, when we hold our breath and we know that that is totally detrimental you have sleep apnea you you shorten your life and you're prone to different diseases mm. but uh, at daytime i call it uh, text message apnea or, or concentration apnea or computer apnea it seems like a lot of people have problems with holding their breath it's like oh, that is the fight flight response right oh there is a danger but we, we mm. tend to do that when we work on our emails or, or um, on, the, on the phone as well. So I think that is super important to try to, uh, um, to, to train uh, the, the rhythmic breath. So, so, so when I, I, train, I do carbon dioxide training, for example, instead of doing breath hold, I just prolong my exhalation. So when I bike to work this morning, for example, if I want to, I can, at, I don't need to increase the speed. I can do it when out walking or, or, or biking or jogging, um, any physical activity, basically. I just prolong the exhalation slightly and uh, I can feel the carbon dioxide effect, which is really, it's a calming effect. Um, okay, yes. If I overdo it, I, I will uh, get into a state of uh, fear. Uh, Okay, that's interesting. So, so that state of fear still exists for you, but it's further away than it was when you started. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. I, these uh, okay, knock on wood here, but but I, I think I have really uh, not that many fears these okay. days com okay. compared to before. It, it's it's a, a huge difference. Wow. Uh, um, I wanted to ask you. You said that when we when we overbreathe, mm -hmm. the brainstem will bring the I think you said the the, the the need to breathe, the, the tolerance down. Yeah. So that's why, for example, when you do Wim Hof breathing, you can hold your breath for two, three minutes because you've, you've hyperventilated for 30, 60, 90 breaths. But yep. can I ask you, why does that happen? And if, if, we, if, we, um, if we hyperventilate, why can we hold our breath for so much longer? I know we've blown off so much CO2, but, but I still don't understand why that means we can hold our breath. Why does the yeah, tolerance come down? Yeah, that's exactly the reason. When mm. we hyperventilate, like in Wim Hof method, you overbreathe for some time and you lower the CO2, you blow off a lot, uh, uh, off, uh, a lot of it. Mm. So that basically means that even if you, you have the, the brain stem, the breathing center set at the same level, but since you are lowering it so much, it will then take your body quite a long time to produce the CO2 right. needed in order to stimulate uh, the, okay. the breathing signal. So, so the CO2 is is lower, but but yeah. it, but is the is the trigger is that also is that higher or is the trigger always the same? Once you get your CO2 no, back, no, you you can reset the trigger. I mean, by mm. training yourself to tolerate more carbon dioxide, mm. you will. It, it's similar to we have a temperature center as well. So when we get fever, that uh, temperature center has been changed. So the body is saying, instead of having normal temperature, we should have this higher. And then the body figures after the infection is gone. Okay, let's go back to. Right, so okay. th it's the same with the breathing center. It, it, it is possible to retrain it, to tolerate more. So I guess what you do with the Wim Hof exercise, you lower the CO2 a lot, and then you hold your breath. So you increase it and probably you increase it more mm. than it was before. Mm. So... In a way, I think it's similar to doing, we talk about metabolic flexibility when, when you do intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. You uh, um, help your body tolerate to, uh, more hours without food. I, I think it's similar. You, you uh, create a, a breathing flexibility in a way. Mm. But 
at the same time, just as I, I don't like so much doing exercises where you hold your breath in order mm -hmm. to reach where you want to be. I, I think to keep the rhythm, because if you think about it, everything in, in the universe basically has a rhythm. We have the day and night, we have the moon cycle, menstrual cycle, we have uh, different hormones that uh, um, um, some are more active when we should go to sleep and some more active in the morning. We have the heart rhythm, brain rhythm, etc., And the breathing rhythm lays the foundation for all of them, I, I think. So mm. just as I think that is very important, I also think there is an interesting aspect. So if I do Wim Hof, which I've done a number of times, and I feel really relaxed afterwards and I feel energized. And some people say that they're also rebirthing and holotropic breathing where you engage in force, forceful breathing mm -hmm. and that that is a way of getting in touch with your traumas. And mm -hmm. I think you do, you, you actually, you lower the CO2 and, um, and, and uh, that helps your body to adapt more. But like in Wim, Wim Hof reading, for example, then when you lower the CO2, you will also automatically increase adrenaline. So a study that I did on a bunch of um, uh, medical students, mm. they, they found that they measured adrenaline and uh, carbon dioxide. So when they were hyperventilating normal air, yes. uh, the uh, carbon dioxide uh, was, uh, I think, lowered by 50%. It was halved. And the adrenaline increased by 360%. Wow. Which makes a lot of sense uh, because that's a huge stress response to the body when we have too low CO2. Mm -hmm. But then they did it again. They, they started, they were hyperventilating another time. And this time the inhaled air contained 5% carbon dioxide, 100 times more than normal. So the carbon dioxide levels were virtually unchanged. And the interesting thing was the adrenaline was also unchanged, mm. telling us that it's the low carbon dioxide that increases uh, adrenaline. Because carbon mm. dioxide, as well as it has a uh, widening and a relaxing effect on the blood vessels, this, the smooth muscles surrounding the blood vessels, it, it, those smooth muscles, we also have smooth muscles uh, surrounding the airways. So if you blow off CO2, then you will get narrow airways. They will mm. constrict just like the, the blood vessels when we have lack of CO2. And we know that, for example, if we are allergic and uh, we, we get this anaphylactic shock when uh, our life mm. is at danger and we yes. get an epinephrine ep ep pen, right? Mm. That is adrenaline mm -hmm. because adrenaline has such a widening uh. effect. Okay. which makes sense when we're yes. in stress we need to breathe a lot so we we need a lot of adrenaline in up. order to open up the airways yeah wow. so oh, that's fascinating so, yeah. yeah so when you lower co2 you increase adrenaline so anyway in in regards to the wim hof breathing uh, that means that okay you lower co2 and then you increase adrenaline and then you, when you hold your breath you increase uh, your um uh, carbon dioxide mm. levels mm. and and people feel energized and they feel relaxed and they feel uh, brave and they th they feel that they can take on more that they feel very strong but you have achieved that straight state through fight flight right which is I mean, there is, uh, uh, for example, if we get cancer, we talk about, oh, fuck cancer and it's horrible and I'm going to fight the disease. I don't believe in that. I don't believe that the, the war, we, we should win the war against cancer or the war against uh, drugs or, or we're going to fight that city and, and we're going to bomb it and, and destroy mm -hmm. it in order to save it. I, I, I think that there is another level. So in my view... I think we, we should go the route via accepting, embracing, uh, instead of fighting, because at the end of the day, when we go into fight flight, we uh, turn uh, down the immune system. That's why you get, for example, if you have an organ transplant, you get um, um, uh, stress hormones in order to suppress the immune system. Right. So when we're in fight flight, we're stressed, so we suppress the immune system. So 
if I want to really fight or battle this cancer, I think uh, it is better done via parasympathetic, via rest and digest, via accepting, via embracing, via mm. trying to understand, is this a message from what my body and what is it that is trying to tell me? What is it that I'm doing that is not optimum? What, what do I need to change? So if I want to get to this state of relaxation and feeling strong, you can do it via fight flight and adrenaline, yes. and then you will be able to deal with these things, these incoming stimuli with more fight flight because you're strengthening that system. You will be better at uh, fighting that tiger or whatever, but I'm not sure that that is what we need these days. I, I think it is more efficient to reach this, this state via, if, if this is parasympathetic, to reach it via parasympathetic. That's so interesting because actually I had a question I wanted to ask you about what is the relationship between uh, slow nasal breathing and the immune system. But I think I understand. So it puts us into a parasympathetic rest and digest state. And then yeah. that means that our body has the ability to recover better because it's not stressed. Would, would that be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So can I ask you this then? So let's take cancer as the example. Um, would there be a cumulative benefit if I was in rest and digest all day, but then I did some cold exposure, some uh, sauna and some Wim Hof breathing, for example, little bits and oh, and intermittent fasting because they're all stresses, aren't they? But if, yeah. you, were in, but if you had that baseline of, of rest and digest, would mm -hmm. there be an extra benefit or would you say, no, no, stay in rest and digest if you have something like cancer? What do you think? No, I, I think both ways. I, I, my analogy for that is if you exercise, we, we can do high intense activity and a lot of people love that. Mm. And I think a major reason why we do that, we, we, we love the adrenaline rush. <laughs> and we, we, may not, uh, we may not aware of it, but we, uh, we are to a certain extent a, a adrenaline junkies, uh, yes. most yeah. of us, yeah. and Me and. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yes so i've lived most of my life there stressing up myself and, and making other people stressed out uh, but so when i do exercise i may do 90 95 percent in a low intense fashion I, I think that evolutionary wise that is where we come from we've been uh, sometimes we've been hunting but mostly i probably we've been walking and picking uh, berries or nuts or, or mushrooms or whatever um, and then sometimes we engage in, in the more high intense activities. So when I train, I, I may do five or 10% of it. Mm -hmm. So th that's my view on it. Yeah, sure. Do whatever we like. But I think the major part is uh, the parasympathetic activity mm -hmm. and people, if you, especially if you're a, a real adrenaline junkie, you will feel that really boring. So, so I, I translated a book um, once it's called, um, uh, the Maffetone Method. So this guy, Philip Maffetone, he has published, I think, uh, eight books or so about um, um, exercising. Mm -hmm. And he promotes low intense activity. Right. And, and he has even trained people that, that have Olympia medals. Um, because he found out that when he ran a, a marathon, and he woke up in, in the emergency room and realized, okay, I ran a marathon, but I'm not healthy. I may be fit, but uh, me and all the other people around me, they have just enormous willpower. So they have been able to run over their bodies. So that's started his journey, realizing what it is that we need. And he thinks laying the foundation, the aerobic foundation is, mm -hmm. is crucial. So I remember, obviously, when I translated the book, I followed his advice. And I remember how I felt, oh, this is so boring. <laughs> I'm I'm jogging, but it's so slow. So I I, I couldn't almost uh, uh, bear it. <laughs> how, how did you eventually cope with that? Because when you're saying that, I feel the same. I want I want to be at 110 percent all the time. Go go go! And it's very very hard for me to relax. So how do you how did you bring it down? Was it breathing techniques? Was it something else? Yeah, uh, at the time when, when I was jogging there, according to his method. It was to follow a specific formula and not go above a certain pulse. It's called the, the yeah, the Maffeton method. Uh, and okay. and uh, 
at the time I didn't know much about nasal breathing, so uh, I just checked my, my pulse watch. I didn't go above it. Um, the the math formula, mathaton formula, it's called. Okay, uh, look at that. Google it, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, can yeah. I ask you? Do you know much about the relationship with chewing and headspace? Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh yeah, that's really interesting. I have uh, something here. Uh, this is uh, Jawpair. It's a Swedish company. So okay. It's a, a a a thing a a resistance. You just chew it like a, a, a not a chewing gum, but but a similar principle. And mm-hmm. and I I am surprised that, to find out how many people grind their teeth at night. So a lot of people have something in the mouth to prevent them from grinding their teeth. And I'm quite certain it has to do with this muscle, the jaw, and how we actually don't use it as much as we have done in past in our revolution. Because today we are eating baby food, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> to, to a large extent, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. We, we're not chewing. So yeah. the reason why we grind our teeth at night is probably because we, we're not using this uh, very strong muscle enough. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I've been doing this for for some time now. It, having trying out different types of product where you you chew when, when not eating, and mm. uh, I feel that it's beneficial. Mm. And uh, from a breathing perspective, I also think it has a uh, uh, if you have your mouth open, for example, there will probably be more tensions in your jaw. Or we, mm. if we, I mean, there is a really close relationship. Uh, when women are giving birth, uh, many women can testify to that, that there is the close relationship. It's called a fear, tense, pain cycle. The woman is afraid of what's coming and uh, tense up mm-hmm. and, and then experience more pain. And when you look at it, you can, you can see that from the breathing perspective as well, realizing that in that vicious cycle, the fear, tense, pain, as soon as you get afraid, your breathing will change and that will actually uh, induce more uh, tense muscles. You, you will, like, like this, when, when you stop breathing and when, you, when you're in fight flight, it makes sense. Uh, the fight flight response really uh, activates your muscle. You can't meet a tiger by just uh, standing like a, a jelly bean or yeah. <laughs> you, you, you will really engage your, um, your leg muscles, your um, mm. arm muscles to uh, be ready to either run away or to fight it. So mm. with our breath, I think we can, we can strengthening the fight flight response and then we will get more tense. And, and for some people, they will get tense in their shoulders or, or uh, in, in their hip or, and, and some will get more tense in, in their jaw. So mm. When we start to breathe rhythmically and, and uh, low and, and slow through our nose, we will reduce the tensions, whether it's in the jaw or, or the, the neck or shoulders. Mm. That's right, because I've, I've done mouth taping at night. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I saw a little bit of benefit, but m- me personally, mm. I'm, I, I have more of the problem of clenching. Right. So the mouth tape, maybe there's a few times it's open, but most of the time I wake up and my jaws, mm, and that's very interesting. This is just something I'm learning very recently is mm-hmm. we don't use the jaw properly. No. We need to use the jaw more. Can I ask you, do, do you think chewing gum would help or is it not tough enough if you chew gum in the day? I don't think it's, it's tough enough. No, uh, it needs to be something proper like good food raw food maybe or or this device that you have okay that's yeah or, general- or like i have an office in sri lanka when i was there last time i mean they chew the 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 fish the bones the, uh, really yeah <laughs> wow uh, and i know some people chew uh jerky you know dry meat uh-huh. Quite yeah, tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, in, in James Nestor's book, um, he talks about how he I think he had a scan um, yeah. and then he did some chewing and then they scanned again and he he'd increased capacity uh, in his skull yeah. by the equivalent of, I think, four pennies, little you know coins worth of, of capacity. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, because I think the stem cells in our our skull are still active and they can create more space if we've got yeah. a narrow airway. Yeah. So it's very, very interesting, interesting Indeed. thing. Yeah. Mm. But now I'm thinking, oh my God, like yesterday I had like, uh, like baby food. I had uh, mashed potato and <laughs> yeah. some chili and it was yeah. all, all just 
you know, you could drink it almost. So, uh, no, very, very interesting. Um, okay. and, and also, uh, like when I talked to the developer of this uh, product, um, I mean, he thinks, uh, which I agree, that we say if I put this in my mouth and I start to chew, maybe you can see I'm stimulating. Yes. Yes, that's interesting. Okay. So, so most likely we will also stimulate the blood flow through the brain. Ah, it's exciting. It's very, breathing is such an exciting field, I think, because even though, do, do you feel that it's changing? Do you, Can you see over the last few years it's getting more and more popular? What, what oh, yeah, think? big time. Yeah, when I started, it was still a bit obscure. And, and I think this year with Corona, a lot of people, it's not a lot about it in the media, which is kind of surprising. I mean, yeah. why in the world are we not talking about nasal breathing to start with? That's, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, the disease, the corona, it affects your airways. So I have noticed a lot of interest from people wanting to improve their breathing. And they realize that if I have poor breathing, shallow breathing, the air is not circulating in, in the lungs, for example, there is a higher risk. I will create an environment that is favorable for bacterial growth and virus growth. So, um, and, and a lot of people also experience that they get benefits from it. Whether they had corona, they, they seem to recover quite fast. I mean, in, in general, that is what I hear. It, mm. It's not a... a, a research study I have done but but the feedback I get oh this has helped me so much mm. to uh, one because one aspect is the fear it's like almost the whole planet has a collective uh, fear and, and panic attack the, these days where mm. we are to a large extent afraid yes. so engaging in your breathing helps you actually to to reduce that fear mm. just relax and yeah, yeah relax and, and so so, so I mean, yeah, no, sorry, but but yeah. again, if you get hit by by the disease, you get hit by coronavirus, and you engage in the fear, you will get into fight flight, right? So then you will suppress your immune system. So already there, it's like your ability to deal with that infection will be reduced quite mm. a bit. So that mm. that is a major part to be able to, I think, address your emotional states yeah. mm. and, and this might be more of a controversial question but the mask does that offer any benefits as far as you're aware is it a good thing to have a mask or a bad thing or is it we don't know i, I just noticed when i i mean uh, where i live here in sweden we don't have a, a, a mandatory masks uh, but okay. i tried a, a number of times just uh, to educate myself and when i do i just noticed that gets a little bit harder to breathe. Mm. And uh, then there is a higher risk, obviously, that you will open your mouth. Because yes. mouth breathing means low CO2 tolerance. And if you have a mask where you trap some of the CO2 and you breathe it, you will then have higher levels of CO2. So mm. uh, my take on it is, is just that if you're using it, try to breathe through your nose. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you will, it will take you into fight flight and it then could be detrimental. But, but then obviously when you see people wear it and, and they, they touch their face all the time and, and they put it down like that and, and uh, then I'm not certain that it will give that much benefit mm -hmm. except the, again, the psychological factor mm. that you know, okay, I'm doing this and I know it works. If you believe in it, then it will probably um, have a good effect. Mm, maybe a bit, little bit placebo. I feel yeah. like I'm doing something. Um, because the thing I've been thinking recently is uh, we've got to be careful with the masks if they're dirty. Because I, before what I would do, I would wear my mask, put it in my pocket, yeah. one week, mask back on again, yeah. breathing into it, gets a little bit damp, it goes back in the pocket. And then you have to be really careful because you put this dirty mask on and... You breathe all of this germs and bacteria into your mouth. So I've been, right, I wear my mask once and then I wash it because we have masks that you can wash now, you know, the, the, the cloth ones. Because I think maybe we, we create a new problem for ourselves now with dirty masks. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I have a, a colleague in China and they've been wearing masks for, for a long time because of the poor air quality. And, and mm. they say, well, 
it lasts for a couple of hours and then you need to change it um, right so yeah mm. it's an interesting top topic yeah mm. so but in general i think we are uh, in a way reacting from uh, we are afraid of dying we are afraid of uh, getting sick we are afraid of the near and dear ones getting sick or die so in a way we react with a a fight flight response to, to yes. all of this if, if we take a step back and we, we look at the whole uh, world and, and the whole reaction it, mm -hmm. it really in my view it is a fight flight response and and as i saw a, a video a while ago he was a 24 years with the fbi was a hostage negotiator and and uh, one of the things he says you know when you're afraid you can't think period mm -hmm. and that's from his experience not in regards to corona but in regards to a um, uh, hostage situation and in regards to negotiating with uh, with enemies or so he worked internationally and been uh, all over the planet in helping out in different uh, uh, conflicts and mm -hmm. he said my main task is to get information from the other person on, on the other side of, of the table and in order to get that information i have to help them get out of fear mm -hmm. if they're afraid my my mission will fail <laughs> which, oh. which makes a lot of sense so yes. he's in his view uh, if you're afraid you can't think and, and i'm not saying that we can't think but we i think we have a tendency to make decisions that are more based on uh, emotions than are based on logicals so in that sense maybe the wearing the mask is more an emotional response than a logical response wow that's Could very be. interesting yeah and that, yeah you're right isn't it we can we, we make better decisions maybe when we're calmer because we can think a little bit clearer and we're not thinking about maybe short term we can think of, i don't know that's very very interesting yeah but if you just look at the brain how we have the brain stem and then we have the reptilian brain then we have the mammalian brain and then we have the neocortex so the the, the blood comes from beneath it starts first to fill the which is obviously we have the brain stem there we have temperature we have respiration heartbeat all of these survival that are crucial for survival and then we have a reptilian fight flight and then we have mammalian which is our emotions and the last one to to get blood and oxygen is our neocortex our logical thinking so these systems they are much older if i mean if i'm about to drown i can't think of okay what shall i eat for dinner <laughs> it's all about getting the next uh, breath right yes yes the same if we're in in, in um, reptilian brain if it's fight flight or, or also if i'm in emotional state and it's not only about fear the, the same goes for for love i mean if we're desperately in love we we are rarely the <laughs> The, the the smartest uh, thinkers we we just yep. uh, everything is just uh... <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's very true isn't it yeah that, so, that first year or two it's just yeah you're not thinking yeah. completely rationally <laughs> yeah. um I, I i cannot believe one hour has gone by um so i i think uh we need to uh, ask you one last question and then i would love it maybe anders if we could do another one of these in the new year because i could talk to you for hours and it's been such an interesting experience and i hope that the viewers have enjoyed it um what would you what is your routine what do you do daily or weekly can you give us a little breathing flavor of what you do well one thing i do is to use uh, this uh, the relaxator it's a little breathing device it gives okay. you a resistance on the you put it in your mouth so it gives you resistance on your outbreath. so for example if i have a tight deadline or something then i um, um then there is a tendency for my breath to, I, I have a tendency to hold my breath or, or breathe faster because it's virtually impossible at least for me to even though being uh, doing been doing this for more than 10 years now when i'm engaged in something to to maintain good breathing i'm getting better and better at it but it's still hard so i i find that very beneficial to 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 help me with the low and slow and rhythmical breath mm -hmm. and I, I do when I exercise, I always do nasal breathing. I, I, my, um, my attitude is don't go faster than your nose will allow you. Mm -hmm. That's my motto. And um, 
my routine, I try to go to bed. I also know that sleep is very, very important. So I try to go to bed at uh, 10 o'clock, um, mm -hmm. preferably. And I really prioritize sleep. I never set my alarm if mm -hmm. I don't have to. Um, and um, I try to listen in, listen to my body. Uh, it, it also goes when it's about food. Mm -hmm. um, when it's about exercise, when it's about work, mm -hmm. it's it's one thing to to work and live up here in your in your brain, but that's just one part of us, and and the brain doesn't have the 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 whole picture. Sometimes we just need to to uh, relax and and re so I call it reflection and integration. So I I I tend to do that several times per week in bed, either before going to bed or before getting up in the morning. One hand on the chest, mm -hmm. one hand on the stomach just breathing low and slow and, and uh, reflect a little bit. What's going on in my life? Where am I heading? Oh, I love that. That's, that's beautiful. Right. I will. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, where, where can people find you? If people want to learn more about you and about your book, where, where can they go? Consciousbreathing.com. Wonderful. And um, also guys, go and subscribe on Anders YouTube channel. What's your, what's your YouTube channel called? Conscious Breathing. It's also conscious breathing. Wonderful. Yeah. So it's got some great videos on there. Um, I love the one with the cold shower and, and the breathing. So, so guys, after this video, go on conscious breathing on YouTube, click subscribe and, uh, and, and you'll get some great content there as well. Um, I'll put all the links to everything in the description below. Um, Anders, any, any last words from yourself before we wrap up? Well, you asked about if I have any daily routines and I, I have one more. L let me show you. Oh, fantastic. So... This is a, a carbon dioxide suit. It looks like a space suit. You put it on, you, you vacuum pump out the air, and then you fill it up with carbon dioxide, and you feel super relaxed. You stay Ooh. there in for half an hour, 40 minutes, an hour. Wow. What, what, what's the percentage of CO2 to O2 in there? Is it, it's not pure O2, CO2, I guess. What's it is. The, 100 it's pure. CO2. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you absorb it through the skin, and thereby you will um, relax these smooth muscles so you will uh, increase the circulation and it's quite exciting we are still just developing it but, ah. but uh, it goes Thank hand you. in hand with the breathing of course which is to a large extent about to learn to tolerate more carbon dioxide i think um patrick said to me in in the one of the trainings that um first responders firefighters and ambulances used to give people co2 in the masks to calm them down mm -hmm. years ago and then co2 got a bad publicity and now they give them o2 and i thought yeah. that was very interesting because because now people think it's waste gas you can't give them some co2 yeah so we have we need to change that it's, it's a bit of a, a challenge though because we also have the co2 is the, the main uh, a problem with the uh, the greenhouse gas right and yes the, it's got a bad bad name yeah, yeah bad, bad, bad it, every aspect is, is a bad thing so uh, yeah but we need it okay yeah. right well lovely well listen thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure uh guys i've, I've absolutely loved this uh this, this breath cast and um i hope we can do maybe a part two next year maybe in january yeah. or february we Let's can do some more that, wonderful okay all thank right guys you. thanks very much for watching uh and anders thank you so much everybody we'll see you on the next episode cheers Bye. Okay, guys, thank you for watching that breathcast with Anders Olsen. I hope you enjoyed it half as much as I did. Um, isn't it wonderful to speak to these experts? So I asked you to stick around for, for an announcement. And the announcement is, is this. Um, on February 14th, on Valentine's Day, me and my best friend and a group of others will be climbing the UK's three tallest mountains, Wim Hof style. So still in the middle of winter, uh, we're going to be shirtless, we're going to be in our shorts, um, and we're doing it for charity. And what is that charity? Well, it's called Our Underground Railway. And it's a charity which I believe Tony Robbins is, has been on the board of advisors, and there's, there's uh, some links in the, in the description below. But in short, this charity is set up to save children from slavery. And you think slavery and children, what's going on? Is that, is that really a thing still? It really is. And it's, it's a horrible and it's an uncomfortable subject and people don't give it enough airtime. And we want to go out there and we want to raise $10,000 or $10,500 to go out there and save three children. 
And essentially what this uh, charity will do is they'll go out and they'll either pretend to purchase these children or they'll go undercover and try and rescue them. But they said it takes around three, three and a half thousand dollars to save one child. So our plan is three peaks, three mountains. Can we save three lives? So the description is, uh, the link is in the description below. Um, It's the biggest challenge that I've ever done. I've done a couple of mountains in my shorts. Um, We're going to put some regular updates on here as well. This is the first time um, that I've talked publicly about this. We started the the campaign a little while ago. I think we're almost up to $500. So we've got a way to go. Um, If you can afford a couple of pounds, a couple of dollars, a couple of euros, and you can donate to the official Art Underground Railway link um, to help us with this cause, that would be incredible. And if you can't afford to, but you can share the link on our behalf, that would be brilliant as well, just to help get that message out there. Without uh, saying any more, I will say thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to this part as well. Um, It's it's an important subject. We'll talk more about it over the the coming videos as well. Um, And thanks for sticking through to the end to to listen as well. And uh, yeah, that's it. So, So see you on the next Breathcast. Thanks.